He celebrated his 90th birthday recently, and this evening, on Where the Road Takes Me, I head for the Bear Peninsula and to Black Ball Head to meet Jerry Harrington. Except nobody knows him as Jerry Harrington, but instead, and very affectionately, as Jerry Blackball. Jerry lives here with his wife Anne, in an idyllic place in Beira, as they look out upon the Atlantic Ocean, Bantry Bay, Dursey Sound and the Mizzen Head, all four areas displaying a different scene every day. Jerry is a sea dog and spent most, if not all, of his working life as a fisherman, which means there are tales to be told. There was a lot of manual heavy work, but they were all young crowd. There was hardly any man that him and them boats over 30. We had a man want him to look for a job. We were in a hole, we were shot the man. And he was around his 40s. And all this was skipped, and we said to all this, where was he going with that old man? We were now 20s and 18s, all young crowd, is he? And we didn't want a man of 40 with us. You fished in Dunmore East as well? Oh, I did. I spent a bit of time there. I did indeed. Yeah. Once they were back and forth, and we seen a lot of tragedies there no time. We were there when the Jack Buckham got lashed, and some of the crew got lashed in her. Oh, there was a lot of tragedy in Dunmore East, a lot of tragedy over the years. For the girl over the side and after the pier as well, there was a lot of... And a rough place to work. There were small boats, you see, and they were very poorly out for the herries, and the hook was a bad spot. We up around the hook in a southerly wind, and the tide going up, the sea was very, very false. A big bay, like. And Dunmore wanted to see a place in the bad star, and we had to go up to Waterford. It was very open, Dunmore. The water came in there, like. And that time, Katie Powell was a very busy place that day, which they all gone. I think the sun is there now at the moment, but they're, they're the pumps are still. And there were all missionaries from every part of the time there, it was a busy spot back in the, 50, back in the 60s in Dunmore. The trawler, the Jack Buchan, that Jerry referred to, was lost on Monday, February 10th, 1958. It was struck by a 20-foot wave only 300 yards from the pier at Dunmore East and capsized. Skipper George Buchan, Dennis McCarthy, James White, John Byrne and Benny Armstrong were all drowned. A sixth crew member, John James Lyons, was swept from the boat but managed to grab a fish basket and was hauled to safety. The tragedy which occurred as the trawler was heading out to sea was witnessed by a number of townspeople. While Jerry Blackball enjoyed every moment at sea, he admits that the sea shows no mercy in its ruthlessness. Well, the sea can be a queer man. There's no doubt about that, and you'll get no warning. You have to be able to take precautions and be afraid of the that's not afraid of you. Those who take the chance, it don't work. You must have been out in fairly severe storms. No, we were never cutting any big, you know, we have made it made poor before. We were cutting a few bad days, I like that, but nothing to be worried about most. No, the worst time I was cut was the Mabisky and then the car in the sugar ship. We were five hours inside it and uh, they were all, you know, I, I was worried about it because the way to water it, that break on the hatches. And she was a big ship and she was tashed around and there was a trawl on the other side of us but making a better hand to it. Maybe she was 100, 110 feet. And she was doing nicely with the leaked inside the boat from the trawlers went to the water. They took the way to water. I didn't like it so many women at all. But in the trawler, I didn't see anything that to be worried about. It was 
you know, we got bad hours and they weren't far from port in any embassy, you know, but then three or four hours you were awake like. In between Blackball Head and the town of Castletown Bear lies Dunboy. Here, in 1602, O'Sullivan Bear took on the might of the Crown forces before making his epic march to Leitrim a year later. His castle ruins are still visible. A stone's throw away on the same ground lies the ruins of Poxley's mansion. The Poxleys were a copper mining family, and their mansion was burned by the IRA during the Troubles. Its ruins are still very much visible. Before heading to Blackball Head to meet Jerry, I take my usual stroll along the pier in Castletown Bear to look at the fishing boats. And I remember how few boats were here even when I was growing up in the town. Even fewer in Jerry's memory. And the 15 inches, four. Four. Four boats. Four boats with anything with bigs. The Marguerite, the Johanna Mary, the Starmiva, and the Deirdre. And were the only boats in the catchment of the team. And there were one boat in school, a small boat, and they were working single-handed himself. A 36-foot boat. Skull, the same way there were no, the four, four boats were big, with only flippers here. To the big, to the big, to the big, a big change, see it after. Yeah. And it's gone back now again, it's gone very bad now again at the moment, but all the boats are going to it. There is no big future in the sheet, oh no. I had the pleasure of meeting your wife Anne for the first time while yes. ago, and Anne is from Kilkenny, That's so where and when did you meet? We met in Dunmore, East. I was fisher in Dunmore, I was going to water well, the same thing, I was working in Dublin, and... Uh, there used to be dancing over here. I went to go with the man for dance much, and I went to the dance hall in Dublin. It didn't take up at once, but I found when I seen her, and I went to which for women at all. That's the shoot. <laughs> they were the last thought in my head, but this woman, I said, my God, I can't ever go. So I met her some time after again, and we arranged again. So then, two years after, we were married. And we were in Dublin for a good while then. I worked ashore in Dublin. I was fishing on a spell after getting married first. And the wife said to her, which was life? So I took a change to go ashore. And I walked to the port and the shore in St. Augustine's in, in, in Dunleary. And I liked it. It was handy for a few years. I gave seven years there before I came home. So I, I went fishing in the small when I came home and the set laps and that. But when the summertime, the, season, the, the year round and the winter and all that, it was, it was rough going off. I've years since. Fifty years you're back now, I think, is it? Fifty years, yes. A lot of changes, I think, at home. A lot of my crowd that they knew well are gone. And he often said, where do they all go? Like this fellow said, what? Oh, they'll come back again, he said. <laughs> and there was a fellow inside me, catch one, then my name Bill Haney, but he heard him here. But I see it my own time anyway, that he used to, the crowd believed him. Like he met you, he, he was only, he was like a fairy. And he met some of the day belonged to you, he met him. And they do well, he said. Oh, they'll come back here no more, he said. And they have someone in the old crowd called, now they're going to call the younger crowd now, he said, next year. So the people believed him, like. It was hard to believe it. <laughs> At the western end of the pier, there always was, and still are, smaller boats moored here, where a lot of local people pass the time inshore fishing. Our more mature fishermen listening at the moment would remember the seagull engine, which was popular back in Jerry's time. It was a very popular engine at the time, See, which was a three and a half or a five horsepower. The, the power that it was in all the boats was very small, and uh, 
They managed finally to hack to their handwork for the dredge, and uh, they made you see there was a few poor made on it, and uh, they, that's for the big, big thing to have. They're doing very well in the scallops, and uh, they did lap fishing in the summertime. The price was poor, but the fish were there, and it was all hand hauling. Very poor to haul the time. And uh, they was worth the night, worth the night, I said, actually, for, 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 for lapsing, because the night and the laps went better. They were more hungry than the night time. They were lying in the daytime. They wouldn't move as fast in the daytime. All the clays were the daytime. But mm-hmm. the laps at night time. And you'd haul midnight. It was called the change of water shot. The first star in the sky. It was called the change of water. And that was the best movement. The laps were moving. So we'd haul that time like it. There was a lot of night work. But we sleep a couple of in the daytime then. We put the called the canvas in the boat. And two bags of hay in the steam. And we had a nice sleep there for the, the, the heat of the day. What fish were, were popular or in demand that time? How popular were lobster that time? Lobster were fairly popular at the time. But uh, the crays, you see, they, they had to the paddle pots. We were, we were using the, the pots for the for the lobster mostly. And the paddle pots came in in, 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 the, in, the, in the late, uh, in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And they were a great killer for the crays. The, the fish were there, like there weren't, there weren't a lot of boats at that time either. But the modern, what's happened now today, I see there, that the we actually did a great job. There's plenty of fish going over the Vinacci. There were no Vinacci in my time that were, were keeping the spawn. We, we knew we were doing wrong, but the boy were by him. The spawny lapses and the spawny craze. But today, this is all born over him, and it's a big, a big success. And were the fish being exported that time? They were. Yeah. yeah. To where? To France, Spain, too, but France was the main stay at the time for the craze. Many people on the Barry Peninsula and worldwide, yes, worldwide, because he was known in all corners of the globe, will remember Big Mike Hanley, who was a native of Arden. Mike was a fish buyer who bought and cured salt mackerel and herring for export to third world countries and beyond. His cured mackerel and herring even ended up in Jamaica, so why wouldn't he be known worldwide? One of my classmates at Castledon Bear Secondary School was Barry O'Sullivan, who acted as a subcontractor for Mike. Most of us town-based scholars made a few bob packing the barrels with fish and earning 10 shillings a go, making us feel like millionaires. That was until the bank of mum relieved us of our fortune to put in the post office savings. Mike was such a lovely man, honest and a great employer. He later bought and opened a bar at Bank Place and called it the Bear Bar. It was run by his daughter Mary and was a hotbed for great conversation, a great place to meet old school friends and at a time when you weren't battling a blaring television. Sadly, it has closed since. Obviously, Jerry Blackball remembers Big Mike well. I did well. He, he worked in the pier in Castle. That's right. Big Mike had. He had a boat himself too, one time. And he lost the shit of fire. Did you get a boat yourself? I did. I had 32 boat myself. And uh, I, had, I, came, I sold her. I got rid of her then. And she went down to Dermore for the birthday match in my other boat. And uh, I got a small boat then, a 25 foot with a single engine. And I was very, very happy with her. Walked the shore. She, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the other one, she was getting light the water inside. There were days that they used by John. There weren't reliable engines at all. Like. But at least you could pull with the, with the open boat. You could handle the horse. And you were very safe on the shore. So I had that boat for 17 years. I was very, very happy with it. But Christy Murphy with me, he fished me for years. And Christy went in the boat this night, we were shot to water, and I went up, I went up to the raft to get water, with the wheel up, up, up the hill. 
and Christy would have something happened. And he was on the boat in the door. And I said, what was wrong with you? He said, he was afraid. He said that they put the were last there. He said they could come back. That was his mind. As a lobster fisherman, Jerry remembers hauling 80 pots at a time. It was hard work, all done by hand. And where you hauled the pots from also determined how difficult it was. It was heavy going, all right. But they were all, they were all the same boat. But we weren't too bad. We were, down, we were off the tide. But in the jersey, where they had a severe tide, like, it was hard hauling the jersey. The puppets you were hauling with in the tide, like, it was, it, was, it was very heavy work. But here in the light water, we were not too bad. And how many would you get in the pot then, normally? Well, the most I see in the pot was five. Three clear the two lobsters. And that didn't happen the second time. Once I see that happening. But I seen a few trees in the pot, right? Quite a few times, and pitman pears, like. But uh, the, the big battle pot, like, was. What was two was a nice haul. Anything you get the money, you could haul maybe eight or ten or twenty pots without nothing. Certain patches. Was there good money for the lobster? No. 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 The price was poor. That was the biggest killer in our fish in that day. Our fish was poor. <laughs> we know who would get the money, we didn't get any <laughs> You're a thundering rogue. <laughs> <laughs> you still have a boat, have you? I still have a boat inside the house. And I admire it when I look out the window. I think of the day I'm saying. I was out there, I was out for uh, my 88 birthday, and I was handy, you know, quite happy inside the harbour, the shrimps. I had no one to me up. And at 89, I got a slight stroke inside the house and I got it. My woman was in the kitchen and I was walking over, walking to the table in the morning about 10 o'clock and I felt myself getting dizzy and I sat down and I lashed the pole of my leg and my left side and I lost my speech for maybe five or ten minutes. And my mm. wife came in, she got an out in panic. She was over here and the daughter came. They were going to, but after a while I get work on my leg and I got my speech slowly back and there was a big panic to me. No, there was a girl the road and I said, no, no, no panic. So I went to the doctor Two days after in Cashton, and I told my wife, told her what happened. Oh, he says, you're sending you on to Bantry. She says, immediately. I said, what do you mean? I said, sure, he said, I'm fine. And I return to Blackball Head in part three, where Jerry continues his recovery from a stroke. There's a homemade relief for a bad attack of asthma, and Jerry survives a near drowning not far from his own front door. Join me back on Blackball Head on the Bear Peninsula for part three of Where the Road Takes Me this evening on C103.